Hey everyone, this is Chad, and today on the Mission Daily, we have two, or maybe three, special announcements. The first one, the Mission Daily was selected by Apple as one of the best of 2018. So the Mission Ooh. Daily was the one of the best podcasts as selected by Apple for 2018. Wow, that's so, so awesome. We could not have done it without you, the amazing listeners. You hear Ian in the background, you hear Steph. You don't hear Toasty because, oh, there he is. There you go. Good boy. That's a good pup. And that's the first announcement. Second announcement, one of our other podcasts, actually our first one, The Story, was also selected by Apple as the best of 2018. That is so exciting. Again, we couldn't do it without you, the listener. We're grateful for each and every one of you. And to celebrate this, it brings us to our third announcement. We are going to be playing all throughout the holiday season on the Mission Daily, the best episodes from The Story. That's right. We've been through four incredible seasons of the story. And if you haven't heard it, you're in for a treat. For those of you who don't know, the story is a historical fiction podcast where we tell the unknown backstory of people who changed the world. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. And a big shout out to our amazing sponsor, Jamp. Thank you for making this happen. And as always, thank you, the listener, for enjoying it. This is the story of a boy with an unusual upbringing who grew into a man who would try anything. Today's story is called What Happens When You Jump. Today's episode of the Mission Daily is brought to you by Jamf Now, the number one device management solution for all your company's Apple devices. To learn more about how Jamf Now can help you secure your Macs, iPads, or iPhones, Head to jamf.com slash mission daily to set up your first three devices for free. That's jamf.com slash mission daily or click on the link in the show notes. Ricky had one more night with his family before he left. He couldn't sleep, so he sat up in bed and looked over at his wife. In the next two weeks, he was going to try something that no one else had done before. If he made any mistakes, he could die. Ricky lived by several mottos. Whenever he was facing a tough decision, he could usually depend on one of his infamous mottos to help him decide. One of those mottos was that he would try anything once. Now he was facing the consequences. He was trying something crazy that would be an adventure. But in order to be a true adventure, there has to be some amount of risk. He thought about the risks. He reflected on everything his co-pilot, Purr, had told him. Purr had assured Ricky that the trip was completely safe. There was nothing to worry about. As the two men trained for the mission, they had grown closer, and now the months of preparation were going to be put to the test. As Ricky fell asleep, he prayed that his co-pilot was right. The next morning, Ricky stood in front of the airship that was going to carry him across the Atlantic in under two days. Nearby, his wife and daughter put on brave faces but his son burst into tears. The little boy hugged Ricky like it was the last time they'd ever see each other. He said goodbye to his wife, children, his parents, and the crowd of well-wishers. Finally, he nodded to his co-pilot. It was time to go. Ricky and Purr boarded the airship, fired the burners, counted down from 10, and rocketed into the air. Soon Ricky's family and friends were nothing more than tiny specks on the ground below. 
By 5 p.m., they were flying steadily at 30,000 feet. As the sun started to dip low in the sky, so did their ship. Per jumped up to check the controls. He nodded to Ricky. No problems. After that, he fired the burners. The two men enjoyed the noise of the burner and the thrill of the trip. They were right on course and would arrive on the other side of the Atlantic in just 35 hours. The next day, Per looked worried. Ricky looked at him. What's the matter? There's a storm ahead, Per replied. Ricky glanced out their small viewing window. Ahead was dark skies and lightning. They weren't prepared for this. We'll have to drop below the clouds, Per said. It's going to be a quick drop, so you might want to hold on. Per cut the engines, and within seconds, they started falling. It was like a drop from a roller coaster. Ahead of them, the storm front loomed. They weren't falling fast enough. A single bolt of lightning or a strong gust could destroy their fragile airship. Darkness fell. In the pitch black, the men felt themselves falling faster and faster. A look at their altimeter showed that they had lost 25,000 feet. Ricky's ears were popping. He could feel his heart rate quicken, and his fingers were going numb. He closed his eyes and did the math. They had less than a minute until they hit the ground. They had avoided the storm front, but now they were going to crash. Before they could brace themselves, the base of their airship crashed into something and threw them off their feet. The winds from the storm picked up, and all of a sudden freezing water poured into their cockpit. This wasn't the first time Ricky had felt panic. Forty years before, he was only four years old when he and his mother were driving home. His mother grew silent, and the car slowed. Ricky didn't know what was going on. She got out, opened his door, helped him outside, and informed him that he was two miles away from home. He was going to need to find his way home alone. She drove away and left Ricky standing alone. All those times in the car she told him to pay attention to where they were going and the directions, she meant business. Confused and heartbroken, Ricky got lost and walked for hours before he finally found his way home. The challenge was uncomfortable, yet it created a strong bond between him and his mother. It was a type of bond that only comes from tough love. It was a good thing they loved each other because his mother's challenges only continued. When he was 11, his mother woke him up one morning and stated, you are cycling to Bourne today. Bourne was 50 miles away. Ricky told her no way. His mother shot back a look that said, you're going to bike there or else. She made him a few sandwiches and stuffed them into a bag along with an apple. What about water? He asked her. She told him that he'd find water along the way and sent him off into the early morning. He pedaled for hours. The day came and went, and night fell. He began to question if he was headed in the right direction. After a few deep breaths, he reflected on the directions. He was 80% sure he was going the right way, so he kept pedaling. Eventually, he breathed a sigh of relief. He recognized one of the roads. It led to a relative's house. He pedaled like mad up the road. Sure enough, he remembered correctly. His relatives happened to be home, and he had a place to stay for the night. The next day, he arrived home exhausted, but bristling with pride. He expected a big welcome home and a celebration from his mother. Instead, she wasn't the least bit surprised. She ordered him to go chop wood at the neighbor's house. When the family went on vacation, Ricky made a bet with his aunt. She'd made fun of him because he couldn't swim yet. So he bet her that by the end of their vacation, he was going to learn how to swim. His aunt laughed and accepted. Being laughed at made Ricky determined to prove her wrong. He spent the week floating in the ocean, 
but never finished the bet. Procrastination soon set in, and it wasn't long before it was the last day of their family vacation. Before Ricky could get into the ocean and really learn how to swim, his dad ordered them all into the car. His aunt was relentless about teasing him. He'd lost the bet and owed her money. On the ride home, Ricky grabbed a map. They were going to pass the ocean up ahead. So while his aunt and uncle were still close behind, he was going to make his move. After convincing his father that he was going to make good on their bet, they pulled over along the ocean. Ricky rushed in, almost drowned, but managed a few circles. On shore, he coughed up salt water and his aunt gave him the money. He'd won the bet. Ricky learned that he didn't always have to finish things early. He could do them just in time. Soon, he was craving adventure and challenge, and he had the will to win. Unfortunately, these abilities aren't always measured or valued in school. In the classroom, Ricky struggled trying to learn how to read. At that time, anyone who had trouble reading was written off as stupid. Once teachers placed that label on him, his classmates began doing the same. The torment was unbearable. Sports were the only way that Ricky could escape and compensate. But when he hurt his knee, all bets were off. His classmates and teachers ganged up on him. Not only was he stupid, but now he couldn't play sports. He was forced to transfer from one school to another. Finally, a decent boys' boarding school accepted him. The boarding school was a nightmare, and he suffered physical abuse at the hands of the older boys. He told his father about it when he was on break, and his father told him to never let it happen again. Ricky fought back, and it never happened again. The only thing about the school that Ricky liked was the headmaster's daughter. He managed to get her attention, and one night, the two of them scheduled a romantic meetup after lights out. One meeting turned into the next, and soon, they were in her room. Later, when he was sneaking out, he heard a voice behind him. It was the school's headmaster, and he was beyond furious. This was the last boarding school that would ever take him in. At only 13 years old, he was facing expulsion. Ricky had his back against the wall, and a headmaster who might literally try to kill him. The headmaster called up his father and told him to pick Ricky up immediately the next day. Before his father could start to drive, Ricky sprung into action. He wrote a letter that made it sound like he was contemplating suicide and was going to head for the nearby Lover's Leap. Then he delivered the letter to a friend who would ensure that it would reach the headmaster. Shaking with laughter, excitement, and fear, Ricky took off running towards the bluffs. He was headed for Lover's Leap, and he was going to put on the best acting performance of his life. He arrived at Lover's Leap, and soon, the first wave of teachers and students arrived. They were going to try to stop him. Ricky's performance didn't disappoint. He talked his way out of it. The headmaster agreed that he could stay, but ended up giving Ricky a severe beating. Now, the socially acceptable paths of good grades, sports, and teachers who loved you was out the window. Ricky thought carefully. He needed to learn how to take care of himself in the real world. From that point on, he started to use his skill at talking to make money. He started to dream up elaborate business ideas. He enlisted the help of his childhood friend, Nick. Together, they planted over 200 Christmas trees in a nearby field. The plan was to come back in a few years and sell the mature Christmas trees for a massive profit. They checked in a few months later to find that all their seedlings had been eaten by rascally rabbits. Feeling robbed and discouraged, Ricky and Nick began to develop other business ideas. These ideas wouldn't be at the mercy of Mother Nature. 
Ricky decided that a magazine was what he was going to start. After school, he would get on the payphone and pretend to call home. Only he wasn't calling home. He was dialing for dollars. Ricky called up every big business he could find in the phone book and asked if they wanted to advertise in his magazine. Never mind that the magazine didn't exist yet. He left that part out. But Ricky could talk his way into anything. He sold his first advertisements. When the orders came in, Ricky used the money to create Student Magazine. It was only a few thousand dollars, but it gave him enough courage to drop out of school at only 16 years old. Out on his own, the pressure was on. He had to make money. He continued to run Student Magazine and saved all the money he could by living in a commune. Next, he started a mail order company. From there, he developed the habit of jumping into things and figuring it out later. He started a small record label, and soon he and Nick had earned enough money to build their own recording studio in Oxfordshire. Ricky still had a hard time reading, but his talking was starting to make up for it. 35 years later, talking wasn't going to save him. Ricky had no idea what to do. Their airship, a hot air balloon, had crashed. They thought it was going to be ground, but it turned out to be water, and now it was pouring in through the top of the open cockpit. He and Purr realized what was at stake. They would either drown in the ocean or the ship would be torn apart. They were speeding along, bouncing off the surface of the ocean. His co-pilot pressed the release button to detach the cockpit from the balloon. It was the only way they could save themselves. Nothing happened. Purr screamed at Ricky, if we don't jump out of the balloon now, we're both going to die. Their equipment was wrecked and they had nowhere to steer the airship. If the balloon caught an updraft, they would fly back up into the storm. The two men looked at the ocean speeding along underneath them and prepared to jump. They knew how cold the water was. If they jumped now, there was no telling if they'd be rescued before hypothermia would set in. Without warning, the ocean receded. They were caught in an updraft. Purr shouted at Ricky to jump now, but Ricky shook his head. They were rising too quickly. He tried to stop Purr, but it was too late. They were already at six stories when Purr jumped. Ricky watched in horror as Purr disappeared. He felt sick. Purr hadn't put on his life vest. He would be knocked unconscious and drown. As the balloon skyrocketed upwards, Ricky grabbed a pen and paper and scribbled a note to his wife and kids. He wrote that he was proud of them and loved them both. He stuffed it in his jacket and grabbed a parachute. He looked over, but it was too high to jump and too low to parachute. The balloon continued to rise and fall, and Ricky decided that if he got any chance to jump, he was going to have to take it. Another downdraft came, and soon he was about six stories above the water. In front of him, he could see the shore and land approaching. It was now or never. Ricky closed his eyes and jumped. Ricky had a habit of jumping at just the right time. Throughout his life, he would jump in and out of a myriad of different businesses. Some would make him millions and others would go bust. But he always stayed afloat and he always kept jumping. All that practice saved his family from having to open that letter. Ricky, of course, is Richard Branson. And his little record label was Virgin Records. The man that jumped into every business imaginable ended up jumping at the perfect time. His life jacket helped save him, and soon a rescue helicopter picked him up. With his help, they were able to circle back and try to find Purr. Luckily, they found him. He had hit the icy water at just the right angle, and he had been able to tread water and keep moving long enough to stay alive. The year was 1987, and technically, they had hit the Irish Sea, making the two men the first to make a transatlantic crossing in a hot air balloon. 
Richard Branson lives by several different mottos and maxims, including that he's prepared to try anything once. Another is that business opportunities are like buses. There is always another one coming. Lucky for Branson, there was one more opportunity to jump. Chances are, if he hadn't, his children and wife would have had to read his goodbye letter, and we might never know his name. So if you find yourself falling or crashing on your journey, don't let panic overtake you. If you're in a hot air balloon or whatever mission you're on is falling from the sky and you feel like bailing out, give it a little bit more time. Take stock of your surroundings. Jumping into some things is good, but remember that you're only one jump away from catastrophe. There's always gonna be another opportunity coming. And sometimes it pays to stay put. Sometimes it pays to jump. The only person that's going to know the right answer when the time comes is you. That's his story. What's yours gonna be? Hey, this is Ian from The Mission. I talk to Fortune 500 CIOs and IT visionaries about how much effort and energy they put into securing their devices. But they have teams of hundreds of IT professionals, an advantage that the average business doesn't have. Until now. Jamf now makes it easy to set up, manage, and protect your company's Apple devices. As your business grows, so does your digital inventory, making it harder to manage everyone's Apple devices. This is especially true if you have remote employees, like we do at The Mission. With Jamf now, you can check your digital inventory, distribute Wi-Fi and email settings, deploy apps, protect company data, or even lock and wipe a device as needed, from anywhere. And all of this with no IT experience needed. The Mission Daily listeners can start securing their businesses today by setting up their first three devices for free forever. Add more starting at just $2 a month per device. Create your free account today at jamf.com slash mission daily. That's J-A-M-F dot com slash mission daily. We love Jamf and you will too. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.